Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, people? And welcome to the Everyday Hustle. The show that explores the five most important days that have changed the lives of the world's best young creators, entrepreneurs, and inventors. With new guests on the show each week, they'll be telling us their incredible stories and their everyday hustle. If you're on a journey, need some inspiration, or just want to hear from some of the best young minds around, then subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Follow us on our socials at Everyday Hustle Show on Instagram and ED Hustle Show on Twitter. This is the Everyday Hustle. Talking her hustle today is the OG garment selector. From working with the likes of Schoolboy Q, Crepton Conan, JLS, Nike, Fila, and Adidas, to name a few, she is someone that lives and breathes authenticity in whatever she does. It's an absolute pleasure to have her on the show as fashion stylist, writer, and cultural commentator, the incredible Aisha Akumbi. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you see that intro? You yeah, see that, that, was, intro? that was powerful. That was like, Yo. Yo. I was listening to that. I was like, okay, he's skilled. Yeah. That's why he's that's why he's in that chair. <laughs> it's amazing. How have you been? You okay? Yeah, I've been really well, thank you. Good, good, you? good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. So, um, first things first, I need to get something out in the open. Uh, basically, your work is very, very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Because growing up, like younger Tyler, mm-hmm. I had one dream in life, and that was to look like Jack the Life Swing. Okay. Okay, TLS <laughs> yeah, were yeah. it for me. So, wow. actually... I just realised I was doing it all wrong. All I should have known is just known you to style me, and then all of a sudden I'd have been in like a. I mean, I'd have been living life. It's never too late. You know me now. So your work, the list is never ending. Um, You know, Little Sim, Sean Paul, Labyrinth, Koji Radical, Avellino, like all these amazing artists. Is it is it a pinch yourself moment? Um, yeah, but I think what happens often is that you're busy doing so much that you forget to pinch yourself. Mm. Um, but definitely, yeah, like when I have moments like this where we get to reflect on it, it is a, even you saying all those names because I don't ever think yeah, about yeah. that. But saying all those names is a reminder to me. And yeah, now I'm pinching myself. That's amazing. Well, I'm sure it's something we'll get into today. Um, mm. Now here on Everyday Hustle, we deep dive into people's journeys and their success. Uh, and it provides like a bit of fresh air to people listening in that may have interest to get into your career or on their own journey. Um, and, and would like some inspiration for that but first things first that word hustle what does that mean to you hustle um i think hustle is trying to get as close to your purpose as possible um that's what it is for me anyway you know that's what i call hustling is, mm-hmm. is trying to get to my purpose creatively yeah my creative purpose or like my life purpose yeah that kind of thing yeah. you know I'm Aisha Kambi, and this is my everyday hustle. Day one is MIA releasing Galang. 
uh, at least the day that I saw that music video, yeah. um, that really changed uh, my creative landscape. Galang, galang, galang. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. You guys listening in, if you haven't seen it, just go on YouTube and search it up uh, right now. So what was it about that video? What was it that changed your perspective? I remember I was on my way to college um, and back then I used to watch MTV Bass a lot yeah. and stuff like that. And it came up and I was just mesmerized. I just couldn't leave the house. I was just, there was something about the video that was really compelling to me. Maybe it was mm-hmm. the colors, maybe her being like a like an Asian woman is also something I'd never really seen on British TV doing music. Mm-hmm. And just her whole expression um, and the way her fashion was, it was just crazy to me. It just really transfixed me. And I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do something in and around fashion. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, so was that video you was at college it. at the time. What sort of things were you studying? I was studying media and cultural studies, sociology, English language and literature and critical thinking. Wow. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking. What's that? Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I didn't I didn't know what it was either. <laughs> so so I was you like, just it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do critical thinking. <laughs> critical thinking I guess is is critical thinking. It's learning to or well, it's teaching you how to to think critically. So if you were to say something to me, it teaches me how to sort of like break down what you're saying, look for authenticity or truth in it. Mm detect whether you could be lying and stuff like that it was very it was almost like psychology meets sociology wow interesting choice interesting choice so so prior to that moment you had no idea that you wanted to go into fashion no not at all did you get up to much creative interest in your spare time yeah i guess so um or actually was i really at that time i wrote sometimes Mm -hmm. you know every now and then i might write a poem or something like that that i'd only like ever share with myself yeah um but that was probably the closest thing that i did to anything creative i played a bit of sport when i was Mm -hmm. younger as well um but aside from that not really yeah well the line of work that you do um and you as a person isn't like easily defined like you obviously go across the areas you have photography Mm. you have you know styling you have writing um being authentic would you say that's something that needs to be at the forefront of the things that you try you strive to achieve is that is that like what you kind of use as your momentum and keep with you in everything that you do yeah um you know i've been around cameras for a long time let's say as a stylist you're always working with photographers or mm-hmm. videographers and directors and it was only you know maybe 10 years on from starting as a stylist where i decided to pick up a camera because it wouldn't have been authentic to me in the beginning because i didn't have that natural inclination or pull Um, Whereas 10 years on and kind of understanding photography more and kind of understanding what I want to do with photography and why I want to do it, um, it was an authentic sort of interest, Mm -hmm. which is why I picked it up. Um, But I didn't want to jump on it when everybody was jumping on it, not because it was popular, but just because I didn't feel it. Um, So, yeah, I think... Uh, a genuine interest is is always what leads me in what I do. So you knew that you're like it was the first time that you realised that you wanted to be working in or around music, mm-hmm. even if it's through styling. So where was the first step? Where did you think, okay, cool, I'm going to go and try this first, or I'm going to go do that? Um, so the first thing I did is I moved to London from Southampton, where I grew mm-hmm. up. Uh, I was at university, and once I kind of had this idea that I wanted to be a stylist I sort of started researching stylists in London so I put it into Google Google search stylists in London and literally emailed everybody that came up on that list and just Mm -hmm. said I want to help no one got back to me Um, one guy did but then he never followed it up so I kept calling him didn't get through 
and eventually his wife answered mm-hmm. um she said he was ill i said that i really wanted to work as a stylist and i was happy to work for free and to do yeah. anything um and eventually he got back to me and we started working with plan b at the time that was wow. a while wow. ago yeah. okay cool so that was like the first inclination yeah, yeah, of experience yeah. that, right. that you had there so so you mentioned obviously going into styling and things like that you you moved to london what was you doing for work sorry i was working in a trainer shop at the time i worked in offspring in camden oh, yeah yeah wicked, i only wicked, ever worked wicked. in trainer yeah, shops yeah 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 so when you was working there and you was getting all of these doors shut in your face yeah what was the what was the drive what was the fuel for your for you to go and pursue that passion um i just knew that i could do it i just knew that i wasn't necessarily being given the chance mm. so i just never gave up with it um and luckily working in camden means you know it's near mtv so everyone a lot of creative people should i say were walking through there all the time coming into the shop and because my style was always quite expressive and especially then it was a lot more flamboyant people would often ask me what i did outside of um offspring yeah and so i started saying i was a stylist and then I <laughs> just casually yeah, just casually, dropping yeah. in there i was like well, why not um and i also realized as well i think you know when i started dressing myself in a way that maybe transcended maybe what the stereotype was mm. it made everyone want to give me opportunities it made everyone take uh, a deeper interest in me that may have otherwise not been there yeah. and so that was really why I wanted to be a stylist because yeah. I thought well if people are giving me this attention and potential opportunities just off of like dressing a certain way you know maybe I could do this for a lot of other people yeah. so when those people in Camden were coming through I would tell them I was a stylist and one day I met someone who said he was Little Sims' manager wow and this was years ago it's not the manager that I now know yeah. who she has but back then maybe Little Sims was like 12, 13 mm-hmm. um, and even then he was just like yeah she's great she's really talented and interesting mm-hmm. um, and so we had a conversation about styling back then nothing ever came of that yeah. although I did eventually style her in later years um, but yeah, I think it was first meeting Labyrinth's manager that really kickstarted everything. My day two is probably November 2010. That's when I officially started working with Labyrinth. That's when Pass Out music video mm. came out. That was the first music video that I ever styled. Um, and how that came about was at the time, Labyrinth was was looking for a record deal. I'd always heard his music. He'd mm-hmm. come over uh, to a friend's house at the time and always play things. And we both thought he was amazing. Was this before he was huge? Yeah, this yeah. was before, yeah. And we thought he was really talented. Um, and at the time, I don't think... I think a lot of people didn't really understand him. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people liked the music but then didn't necessarily visualize him performing it because yeah. you know, he's also a songwriter mm-hmm. so i think people thought maybe his songs would be better for other people but he really wanted to front them so i suggested at the time maybe he could get a stylist and maybe i could be that stylist <laughs> um and he accepted um and we tried loads of different things uh behind closed doors that really didn't work out you know and then i remember when we eventually got to like the suit he just sort of I don't know, it just sort of made him come into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of were rolling from there. I had never had much experience and had no experience, in fact, mm. at that point. Um, what were some of these options? Just out of curiosity. I think we must have tried loads of things. Like, like I maybe Hammer tried to, yeah, like, <laughs> I tried to make him into like a rock guy. I tried to make him into a skater. And everything was just a bit forced. Yeah. Yeah, nothing really sit comfortably until we kind of started doing it a bit more formally Mm -hmm. Um, and I think also it makes sense because when I think about Labyrinth's influences in terms of who he likes you know there are people from the past in terms of you know a lot of past icons you know so I think yeah him being a bit more formal in the same way that maybe a lot of Motown singers were I think that suits him 
Yeah. Uh, how did you know you were fit for that job? Um, I knew that I was able to express myself in a way that I didn't necessarily see around me. It yeah. wasn't led by trends. It wasn't led by my friends. I had my thing, you know, even, you know, maybe it wasn't fully formed, but I was mm. always trying to find what was me mm-hmm. without anyone telling me who to be. Mm. Um, did you, did you always care? Did you care about what anybody had to think about you? I always knew. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of woman who isn't traditionally feminine. So mm. I think that makes people always think and assume things about you. So I've always had to deal with that from quite a young age. Yeah. And I think in order to combat feeling really othered, uh, I might have picked up fashion and my interest in style mm-hmm. as a as a sort of disguise, you know, mm-hmm. as a sort of way to maybe obscure what people thought about me. So people would look at me and be like, you know, is she a dancer? Is she this? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't necessarily want it to be so easily definable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I had that thought, I thought, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe I could do that for other people. Yeah. So you're working for you're working with Labyrinth. Labyr- yeah. Um, did you have any setbacks against you at this point, like moving into this industry? Did you feel like you had made it into the industry? And then also, did you have any setbacks going against you, being a newbie? Um... I didn't feel like I had made it at the time that I started working with him. No, I thought it was amazing and Mm -hmm. I was really grateful, but I had no idea maybe everything that happened after was going to happen. I always wanted that to happen and I always maybe trusted that it would, but I didn't know it was going to happen so soon. Um, Maybe the only setback would be that I never knew how to run a business. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily something we're taught. Um, so learning about the world of tax. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, these things here. I, I, I often look at that, you know, I often ask myself questions like thinking, if I could go back and learn how to do a tax return at school, right. it would have helped me out in my first oh, years completely. of self-employment. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and important factors like that, how to deal with, um, you know, P40s, P60s, all these things in the tax industry that's just like, it's real life. Oh my God, completely. Um, So I had no idea about any of that stuff, like the actual mechanics of how to run a business. Um, And so that was challenging um, because you have to be very organized in general. Mm -hmm. You have to keep a diary, you know, you have to be prompt in your replies back to people. Um, And all of that was a fairly new world to me, but Mm -hmm. I was glad that I got it early. You know, I was 20, 21 at the Mm -hmm. time that I started working with Labyrinth. So it was a really good education at a young point. Would you say that your career from that point um, has been smooth running? Um, Outwardly, yes. Um, Inwardly, no. It's been smooth running outwardly in the sense that, yeah, I've gone from client to client and Mm -hmm. they've been... yeah, they've they've been interesting clients and they've been well-known clients mm-hmm. and some of them have been legends. Um, but internally, yeah, I've had to overcome, of course. you know, personal things at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, touch wood, it has been. Um, How have you kept this? Like, what, what's the key? Because I know a lot of people, whatever industry you're going into, especially if mm-hmm. it's like this and, you know, you're, you're looking for clients and stuff like that, it's sometimes you can have busy spells, sometimes you can have quiet spells. How have you kept it con- consistent like that? I Would think- you say that your work speaks for itself um, I hope that the work speaks for itself I people always say they can tell when I've styled something and mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing um I, I wasn't sure before because I thought oh does that mean I'm dressing everybody like me yeah. I didn't want everyone yeah, yeah, to yeah, know yeah. when it was me um but maybe that means it's a stamp in the same way that if Pharrell produces something you kind of know or at least NERD when NERD had their moment and they were I could always tell it was yeah. an NERD production so yeah, I think the work does speak for itself. Sorry, I'm missing. You had the question. Yeah, what, what's the key to? What's the key? Yeah, what's the key to keep it smooth running? Um, 
I think uh, being a person who is easy to work with, I yeah. think that keeps it smooth. Being someone who's always interested in style and fashion and mm -hmm. thinks critically about it. It wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily just like, oh, I, I go to Fashion Week and look at Vogue. You know, I think about style, mm -hmm. you know, why people choose what they choose. Like, what are they trying to convey or what are they trying to suppress? You know, I've always been philosophical about my approach to fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and also priorities, you know, my priorities have always been to, to learn more, to know more. It hasn't really been about me. Um, although great things have happened for me, mm -hmm. um, I haven't, necessarily gone out of my way to I don't know buddy up with everyone or to like I don't know be something I'm not I think I've always just been myself to some degree yeah um, and I think that's helped as well you know I meet a lot of people wanting to get into styling now and mm -hmm. sometimes I can see when it's maybe for the wrong reasons you yeah. know some people want to be a stylist because of a perceived lifestyle that yeah. they see around it some people want to be a stylist because they think you get to hang out with celebrities all day mm -hmm. um, and I think if you're thinking about it from that point of view you will limit yourself um, because it's not because it's not always easy you know and it can be very taxing in fact it's mostly taxing yeah. <laughs> mentally um, and so if you're only in it for what you can get out of it for yourself mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to wanting to I don't know, like for me, being a stylist was about wanting to change the perception of how people looked at mm -hmm. UK music. Um, because that when I was growing up, a lot of the males that dominated UK music were, I don't know, they dressed in a way that could often get them stereotyped. Yeah. And so I really wanted to change that. And that was my pull to wanting yeah. to be a stylist, yeah. nothing else. You mentioned it being like mentally taxing. Mm. Um, and I, sim in a similar creative industry, I can relate. But yeah. what, what do you do to keep the balance? Um, to keep the balance, I, I make sure that this isn't my only thing, mm -hmm. you know, so I do, I do still write, you know, I read a lot. I'm not really, apart from going to work, I don't really put myself around the industry too much. So mm -hmm. that means that my ideas and inspirations are derived from other things. Yeah, they're not um, influenced by things that are already there. Right, yeah. you know, otherwise we kind of all come, become a similar version of each other. Um, so yeah, not really being in the industry keeps me in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My day three, December 2012, is not necessarily the most positive one, but I'd say a lot of positivity came from a negative situation. So mm -hmm. my brother died in 2012, my older brother, who was also worked in fashion. He was mm -hmm. a designer at the time. And, you know, he sadly got stabbed in 2012 in his home. Um, and that really, really, like, blew my mind, as expected, I guess. Yeah. But it blew my mind in a way that was also unexpected in the sense that it opened it. Mm -hmm. And I'd never necessarily heard about deaths being able to, to open <laughs> your yeah, mind necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it did. It, it kind of started making me realign my priorities mm -hmm. and my purpose or even thinking about purpose yeah purpose wasn't a word that i ever used at that point or had ever said prior um and then all of a sudden from nowhere i just had a lot more thoughts around you know what am i doing and why mm -hmm. am i doing it and and what is my impact and why do i want that to be my impact it was just yeah. a lot of questioning yeah absolutely um god bless your brother uh, i i think that you know knife crime and problems there like epidemics are such a it's a very controversial topic mm -hmm. I can relate in the sense that I've, I've had previous struggles mm -hmm. along the same topic but 
my question to you would be, and I struggle to answer this myself every single day, like eight years on, how many ever years it goes on. Um, what was your out? Like, what was your way out of being trapped? Because mm-hmm. obviously it can have such a big effect mentally mm-hmm. um, going through something like that. So yeah, what would, what would be like the bit of support and advice? Um, I think in, in times like a big tragedy, I think a lot of people can find ways mm-hmm. to um, try and escape the pain or maybe uh, run away from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. all kinds of things to maybe put it into the back of their mind and and just continue with life but I think I really lent into it I really lent into like the pain I really thought about it you know I really you kind of learned to live with it yeah yeah I really learned to live with it and I really learned to yeah and it made me start thinking about knife crime Mm -hmm. again maybe not an issue that I would have given as much thought to before but you know I had to think about you know what would make a young person do something like that you mm-hmm. know what are the because he, he also you know he killed my brother and, and stole from him mm-hmm. things like an iPhone like a MacBook yeah. and, you know his Gucci accessories These possessions, possessions yeah. and stuff like that and I think that really made me think about society and you know someone could kill for material yeah. and so rather than I don't know placing a lot of not to say that there's rather than placing a lot of blame maybe solely on the culprit I think I started looking at society and and how those ideas are around us constantly like yeah. if you if you get this this means you're this and if you get that you're a man yeah. and, you know there are so many sort of um, dangerous notions of what it means to be hard what mm-hmm. it means to be strong and stuff like that um, and yeah really getting passionate about all of those issues that I believe led into my brother's passing yeah. I think that really helped me too because I wasn't I wasn't passive towards his death I was very active mm-hmm. in in wanting to understand it mm-hmm. um, would you say that this was like a, a moment of awakening for you oh yeah 100% and like I said you know now in when I think about it in hindsight I think you do hear a lot of fairly cliche phrases about how you know you find awakenings in tragedy and, and stuff like that and it was an awakening in the in a way that I could I, you know it's so hard to even describe and I tried to pride myself on being mm-hmm. fairly decent with words or trying to communicate myself yeah. effectively but the words still fail me when I think about the type of awakening that it was but mm-hmm. it, I think it showed me that you know we had so much more in common than we do apart as a as a whole as humanity and I think where a lot of us are caught up on the superficial the materialistic and, and just completely distracted um, so we forget that and lose sight of it but that's what it taught me and then from there it sort of birthed new interests or yeah. reminded me of my old interests like yeah. writing you know before I became a stylist I was always adamant that I would be a writer mm-hmm. and that I'd write books one day and things like that and just through going through the rigmarole of life and friends and you know you just kind of you know you, you go everyone goes through a stage where they get caught up with their friends yeah. and doing what their friends do and wanting to impress their friends or rather than impress them fit in yeah you know everybody wants to fit in and a lot of my interests didn't seem like uh they fit in mm-hmm. you know they weren't the interest that my friends had so i think yeah. i was a bit shy uh, about them or kept them to myself or just ignored them completely neglected them yeah so when my brother passed um it just was a reminder to to really be me in my entirety, mm-hmm. you know, because I was reminded of how fragile this life is and it's not promised. Um, and it just didn't make sense to be anything but trying to be like whatever your most authentic self is. Yeah. I mean, using negatives as positives is, is a massive skill in itself. Mm. 
uh, like, would you say that you wouldn't be where you are today if you hadn't gone through those experiences? Oh, 100%. And that's a really conflicting thought to have because, yeah, it's conflicting because... You don't want to go through negatives. Like, you, yeah, nobody yeah. wants to feel that pain. But when right. it happens, we're, we're, we're very, very quick to sort of, like, either dust it off, run away from it. But actually, if we took a moment to embrace it, we yeah. might be in a completely different... A completely different line. Yeah, 100%. And I do often think that, you know, if my brother didn't pass away, I do wonder where I would be yeah. mentally. And I was going down a road that wasn't particularly bad, but it wasn't it wasn't real to mm. me, you know? It wasn't it wasn't in line with maybe whatever I feel purposed for. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think it was the making of me in many ways. So my day four is actually not too long ago. In June 2018, I got to work with the legend um, Rod Stewart. Wow. Yeah, that Incredible. was... Incredible. Yeah, that <laughs> was phenomenal to me. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. And often, I mean, you work with so many people all the time and, yeah. and you're always surprised by the name sometimes. Mm -hmm. But something like that, that's someone that my mum listened to. Exactly, that's someone that yeah. my mum adores, in fact. Um, so what did the work involve? So that involved like a photo shoot and we did a video shoot as mm -hmm. well. Um yeah, it was just, you know, the general sort of thing that I guess a stylist does whenever they're working with an artist. Um, but to be able to do it, you know, with someone like him, mm -hmm. who's actually really down to earth, um, that taught me a lot too. Um, I think working with him, yeah, working with him taught me a lot because like he's probably definitely the biggest, you know, or the most famous uh, type of individual that I've worked with. Yeah. And to know that, you know, through all his success that he's had, mm -hmm. you know, and the money that he's got uh, he's just really normal and yeah. I think I don't know I think that was a little bit of something um I think it taught me a little bit of what maybe an artist is you yeah. know I think I think you know there's so many different ways that you can be an entertainer you can just be an entertainer you can be a singer but no, maybe not to me I don't think everybody is an artist you yeah. know um but I think he's really an artist because it's not just about the music it's about his way of being mm -hmm. you know now this was obviously a huge milestone in your work mm -hmm. um how important is it to s take a second to actually sit there and reflect on these moments yeah um and embrace it yeah it's really important and it's something that i'm not that good at actually yeah um when you're freelance you're always just thinking about the next thing mm -hmm. the next thing the next thing because your rent depends on it yeah exactly <laughs> um, and so you get one job and you're looking for the next yeah, already, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so you rarely ever, well, I don't, I rarely ever thought about how far I've come mm -hmm. or the fact that this is a big deal or this is great. I never do it, in fact, you know. I can be quite mm -hmm. uh, hard on myself in that way and I'm my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. But after that moment, and even things like this, you know, speaking to Fee before we, we came here yeah. and, and doing this today, you know, and, and having some talk with her about all of this stuff and it was really, yeah, I did have to take a moment and I was like... Yo, you know, go easy on yourself because yeah, you yeah, know exactly because you yeah. know your work speaks wonders. You've done so so much, yeah, um, in the time that you've been doing it. I mean, even going from that, so so working in Offspring and claiming you're a stylist to actually being a stylist for Rod Stewart, yeah, you know, what would you tell your younger self like if you could go back and said, oh yeah, well you know what, you saying you're a stylist, you're going to be working for Rod Stewart one day. <laughs> I would have probably if, if there was anything I could tell my younger self, it was to probably not be embarrassed about all that makes you you. Yeah, you know, I think I spent a lot of time. I'm trying to fit in at one stage you yeah. know and, and doing what my friends did mm -hmm. or claiming to care about what my friends did and yeah. I didn't always I didn't even know that I was pretending that and that's the thing yeah. when you're when you're not really awakened to yourself yeah. you don't really know that you're pretending mm -hmm. um, so yeah I would tell my younger self to 
to not be embarrassed about anything that makes them you because it's all going to pay off. Mm. So day five on the Everyday Hustle is five years into your future. Where you see your end goal, if it that, or where you see yourself going over the next five years, some mm. things that you'll be up to, um, and basically just what your motivation is at this current moment. Mm. Um, is there an end goal for you? I think so, maybe. Um, you know, I always think about this idea of making it. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that in air quotes because I don't really know if making it exists. You know, I look at so many rich people in the world, billionaires, millionaires, and no one's just decided like, you know what, I've got all these billions. I'm going to go to an island and chill, build yeah. a school, build a house and just never work again. Everyone is still going. You know, everyone mm-hmm. is still working, essentially. Um, so that to me means that they probably don't feel... Uh, let's say creatively or academically satisfied Mm -hmm. you know so if you have billions and you're still working what is making it yeah you know so I think maybe my end goal is to be able to build the resources that I need to be able to live a life that's fairly simple yeah um I think it's really nice to have or really important to have an experience of of this type of world of Mm -hmm. working of of a lot of your yeah sorry of working and living in the way that we do right now but I think to be for me in my understanding to be a well-rounded human I think you should get to a point where you simplify as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah I hope to simplify it one day live on a beach you know like live in nature idea of utopia in this in in the world that we're living in now Mm -hmm. I mean I saw something recently or well not so long ago of what you said about um people nowadays are like conflicted by who they are and who they think they need to be for yeah, success right who decides what is deemed as success for you like who when when do you go right yeah cool that's successful i've done that I've, like a pinch yourself moment when do you deem it like yeah i've made it mm, i don't know i don't know i don't know if i ever feel like i've made it but maybe if i feel like it's important or mm-hmm. maybe if i feel like it's saying something that isn't often said mm-hmm then I can feel maybe some contentment. Mm. Um, but yeah, if I'm feeling a gap, if I feel like I feel the gap somewhere, like, you know, like I said, it's very hard for me, you know, unfortunately, it's very hard for me to sometimes take a sit back and um, congratulate myself on all that I've done. But, you know, every now and then I see like young black girls come up to me in the street who look a lot like me in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's like a similar hair or a similar style. And they tell me that like, you know, I've really helped in whatever way. If that was, they had a, an academic path they were going down and they saw me becoming a stylist and other things mm-hmm. and that changed their route or that they were sh- able to show a picture of me to their mum and that justified them having a certain type of hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, because I can get conflicted, of course, you know, I am also fairly social in terms of my interests as well. And I think a lot about the world. And so sometimes I can get conflicted in my job and if I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But then when people do things like that, I can tell just by my being here and me looking the way that I do, yeah. which is maybe not, um, maybe before there wasn't as many people you could look to in the media or online who had my type of image, yeah. you know, as a woman, as a black woman, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. So that feels, you know... I've, do you think that image nowadays is changing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you have a lot more people who... Um, are from diverse backgrounds, you know, from African backgrounds, Caribbean backgrounds, Asian backgrounds who are coming to the forefront in media spaces um, that let other people know who are watching or listening mm-hmm. that they too can do it. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that is changing. And I think I feel a sense of fulfillment whenever I'm reminded that, you know, maybe an image like mine is important. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I'm a bit of a hippie, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to run away now and yeah, live yeah, on yeah. a beach. But then I'm like, okay, actually, this is why you keep doing it yeah. is because you're letting other people know, you know, you're showing different ways of being, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think like you realize obviously that your work is inspiring because the people of which you are styling are having an influence on so many people. They mm-hmm. have such a big following. They have people go to their concerts. Mm-hmm. They have people go to their, you know, watch these music videos and the photo shoots and they mm-hmm. say, oh, I want to look like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you you know what? You are the creator behind that, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think that's even more credit to yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, going behind that. So, so if you had to summarize it, where do you actually see yourself being in five years? In five years, the idea of being a multidisciplinary artist really appeals to me. You know, all of my favorite people are skilled in so many things. And I think to really show like appreciation for life, you know, you should try to learn as much as you can. Um, So I'd love to do a lot more in photography. Um, I hope to write a lot of books, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully one is in the process at the moment. So that is something, you know, that I want to do. There are so many ideas that I believe that people should have um, or so many experiences that I think people should be honest enough to share that could be useful to someone else. Um, So that's something. And, you know, I always think about it. I think everything that I want my future to go into is um, all the things that I wanted to do when I was a kid. I think when you're a kid is your most pure time and you have loads of ideas you know one Mm -hmm. minute you want to be a policeman then you want to be an architect then you want to be a fireman spider-man all of these kind of things and i had so many things i wanted to do as a kid Mm -hmm. you know from uh writing to skating to yeah everything i'm doing now is everything that i wanted to do as a kid you know because i think it's your most pure time so yeah I think that's what I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep trying to find um, my youth in my adulthood. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> For people listening into this show that are on their own journeys or on in their own career paths trying to get somewhere, mm-hmm. what would be three tips in a few sentences mm-hmm. that you could give to them, whether it be going into your industry or going into their own? I would say... Um, to uh, to maximize what makes you different you know everybody has something that makes them different you know even though society seems sometimes hell-bent on making us all the same everyone has something that makes them different and that's what you need to maximize so you know when I meet young stylists who are like you know how can I become a good stylist or how can I get jobs and I'm like well you know what what does your work stand for mm-hmm. you know or what do you stand for you have to kind of work out what you're going to bring to this you know mm-hmm. I would have never picked up a camera and maybe been interested in photography if I didn't have a clear idea of what do I want to bring to this yeah. you know otherwise you can get lost in what everyone else wants you to bring so I think that so number one is many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, maximize what makes you different. Number two is know why you do it. Have that clear, you know, even if it's to yourself in your notes on your iPhone, write a mission statement, you know, why am I doing this? And so whenever things get tough or things even get really great, um, you always have this reminder of why you started. Mm -hmm. And and I think that should center you and not let you lose yourself. Um, And number three? To be learned, be learned about your craft as in like, you know, not enough people, I believe, um, get into something and try to make themselves understand all parts of it. Yeah. You know, I didn't study fashion, so I had to make sure that, you know, I got books about fashion. I spoke to people about fashion, even everyday people, because everyone has a style, mm-hmm. you know. So I really immersed myself in it. So I think whatever you're going to do, like, never stop learning about that subject. Uh, you should always see yourself as an amateur or even your profession, mm-hmm. you know, because I was reading a book recently and it said... Um, in the original French meaning of the word amateur, it means lover of what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it means. So to be an amateur is to love what you do. So you should always think of yourself as an amateur and then yeah. you will always uh, Continue be, to learn. Yeah, yeah. Continue striving. That's that's like the strongest three tips we've had on oh. the show. I think that's amazing, amazing. Uh, listen, thank you so oh, much thank you for, for having coming me. and share your hustle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All the people listening in, if they wanted to sort of stay up to date with the work that you're up to, where, where's the best place to find you? Um, where is it on socials is it I guess so I guess it is social media and hopefully you know I might be getting into the world you know this is in talks at the moment of Mm -hmm. broadcast journalism wow so taking a lot of the stuff that I've been tweeting about uh, because I've been tweeting for years about various different (laughs) things Um, so taking a lot of those ideas and putting them into documentaries Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be one place very yeah. very soon um, and also probably Twitter I'd probably say I'm the most active what's your handle on Twitter? on Twitter? it's my name so it's yeah. Aisha underscore Akambi um, A-Y-I-S-H-A-T underscore <laughs> A-K-A-N-B-I spell it out for them yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah that's, that's, that's probably the best place to keep up to date with things I've been Tyler West. Don't forget to let us know what you think and talk to us about your everyday hustles over on our social media. You can find us at Everyday Hustle Show on Instagram and ED Hustle Show on Twitter. Please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. This has been the Everyday Hustle, a Studio 71 production. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.